Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Goodness, I thank you for your precious people uh, that, that are here, Lord, the saints. Father, I thank you for everything you invested in everyone here. I thank you for all the gifts and the callings and the graces that are upon everyone in this room, Father. Uh, Father, thank you for knitting us together by your Spirit, that you help us to be a family knit together, uh, a, a family that's effective, Lord, uh, in, the, in the harvest fields, winning people, establishing them, uh, seeing them trained. Father, we desire to be an effective family knit together, having all of our needs met, Lord. So we thank you as we get into the word, Lord, that this word helps us uh, to be who we are, and we give you all the praise and glory for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about the waiting father, and with this series, uh, we, t- we said that there can be a misunderstanding between uh, the church and the synagogue, okay? And that happens, you know, a lot of the Bible, it was written, a lot of the Bible was written to the Jews, and actually, there's a scripture in the Bible that says to rightly divide the word of truth. So it's really important for Christians that we rightly divide. And it says rightly dividing, and so we're not ashamed. Because like when you don't divide the Bible correctly, it can actually bring shame on you. So it's important to rightly divide the Bible. Okay? So with that in mind, the understanding of this parable, the waiting father, the Eastern world, as we said, they would look at this from more the son's perspective like the sun, let's focus on the sun, whereas the, uh, the Western world, the Eastern world uh, would look at it from the father's perspective. And it even starts off, it said, there was a man. And so it's really even interesting, the first phrase there, there was a man. So whereas the Western world, we focus on the sun and look what he's doing, the Eastern world and the Jews, they're focusing on the father and they're seeing what he's doing, okay? So with that in mind, the father... And the story that Jesus told of this, which we call the prodigal son, but we're calling it the waiting father because we decided to go east. We're going to be eastern and call it the waiting father instead of western. But uh, the Jews are focusing on that, and Jesus is telling the story. And then as the story unfolds, it would shock the Jewish world at what the father did. So he, first of all, gave the son an inheritance. And you know how sometimes, well... You know, let's hope we don't do this as Christians, but how, uh, you know, you get frustrated with a son or a daughter, and you say, well, if you do that, you know, just don't think you're going to come back here, and don't, don't you, know, you know, it's almost like you, when, when they go and they're off going to do something, they almost feel like they're afraid to come back, and if they do come back, they have to crawl on their, you know, crawl on their knees. Well, it's interesting how the father just gave it to him, and he let him go. And, and so that really opened, that can keep the door open for there to be a return. And influence is a big thing. And, and we have to understand when we lose our influence with people, we can't help them any longer. And so really like relationships, like whatever we can do to keep relationships, you know, together, marriages, all, because w- without influence, there's no, without relationship, there's no influence, Okay. So then the second thing the father did is when the son came home, he ran to him and he fell and kissed him on his neck. Here here is the son that was full of smell 
with working amongst pigs and he was disobedient and he comes back home and the father runs to him which was insulting to run in that time period in that culture but then he kisses him on the neck and what we have to know is the son had a heart change and he decided to come back home and we need to know as Christians that our father when we decide to come back home he will run at us and even when when we uh, you know are smelling with our sinful lifestyle he will kiss us on the neck and that's what this is showing and and this was a shock to the the Jewish world and the father then he he without any shame he put a robe on him and when he put the robe on him he's saying to everybody I declare that you're my son he wasn't ashamed of his son and we said this God will never be ashamed of having you as a son or a daughter and so if God isn't ashamed of you then that kind of empowers us not to be ashamed and we just know as soon, as soon as we run back to God, he runs, as soon as we turn to God, he runs toward us, okay? So here's a, a real quick review. Week one, we said this about Jesus was establishing heaven's culture over all other cultures, Christian culture over synagogue culture, Christian culture over nation culture, New Testament culture over Old Testament culture, grace culture over law culture, God's righteousness culture over man's unforgiveness culture. So that was in week one. We have all of this up on our website, but I'm so glad about the culture of heaven. It's a wonderful culture. And then week two, we talked about the difference between biblical repentance and worldly grief. Uh, Patsy did that, and uh, worldly grief destroys, whereas biblical repentance works good things in us. So the Bible does talk about turning back and repenting and having a change of heart and mind and going back to God, but the biblical way does not destroy us like worldly grief does. It, it causes us to get back and restored, okay? And then week three, um, just reviewing from last week, the robe represented righteousness that we talked about, Righteousness is, is a free gift. It isn't earned or worked for. We can't lose our righteousness. We are sons and daughters by grace through faith. Uh, when we return home the Father, to the Father, He accepts us back immediately. He expects us to act like sons and daughters who we are and who are in right standing with Him. And that's a big thing there because a lot of times with Christians, when they go off course and then they decide to come back home, they will beat themselves and beat themselves and they think they have to earn and work back to get to a place but really what this parable is showing us when a christian goes away from the father and even falls into sin when they decide to come and turn back what the father's saying is you can use your authority and you can know that you're a son you you have it so act like a son right now you don't have to earn your way back and so, uh, so much, so many times when, when uh, people beat themselves for months and years, and during the months and years that they beat themselves, you know, like situations come upon them and they can't, they can't do anything about it. They're like almost like helpless. And God doesn't want that. I love this scripture. Look at Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, then we'll move on. But it, it says, Or do you have contempt for the wealth of kindness, forbearance, and patience, and yet... Do not know that God's kindness leads you to repentance. I love that scripture because you see that he has a wealth of kindness. Now, there's no people on the earth 
that have that much kindness, but if we have him in us, we can at least have the fruit of kindness. We are way above what we were before Jesus became Lord. I'm much kinder now that I have the fruits of the Spirit and have kindness in me than before I got saved, and so on and so forth. But he has a wealth of kindness, he has a wealth of forbearance, and he has a wealth of patience. So this is, and the reason that he has that, he says, for this reason, because his kindness will lead you to repentance or change. Okay, so it's kind of like that when, when, like when a child does something and it's kind of like, get out of here and don't come back, that isn't the kind of thing that would cause anybody to want to come back. And what the father did here is he made sure the door was open for the son to come back. And then when the son did come back, there was a warm welcome with a kiss on the neck and a robe. And then what we want to get into today, let's move on now in Luke chapter 15 and verse 22. It says, but his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger. So let's talk about this ring, okay? When the prodigal, when the son left his father's house, it's kind of pretty sure that he had a ring. But probably what happened when he got you know, went the wrong direction and he was living in the lifestyle that he did, he probably either lost it or sold it because he needed the money. But he just ran out of everything. So as a result, you know, he has no ring when he shows back up home. And here's a thought too about uh, going that direction. Uh, Look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 16. He actually became a slave and a servant to others. And this is why we want to stay walking with the Father because we don't want to become slaves or servants to any, anything else. But Romans 6.16 says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, either of sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness? So like for every Christian, we have an opportunity to present ourselves. And so when you present yourself to something that's uh, not right, it actually has, it, it doesn't have good results. So the son, he took off, took his inheritance, and he went and started living, and he wasted all his, his inheritance, and he ends up with pigs. But he became a slave and a servant to, to someone else and to something else, okay? And the wonderful thing about it all is that he was always a son, even when he was living that way. He never stopped being a son. He lost awareness of his righteousness. And then here's what we want to get into today. Along with losing awareness of righteousness, another thing that can happen is we lose confidence to exercise authority. And you'll find that with people. It's it's hard to, you know, when you're in faith or in a place like that, you're either one place or the other. So when, when Christians go off and they do those kind of things, I, I like to say it this way, it's hard to be, if you're in doubt, you're, you're probably not in belief, you're not in faith if you're in doubt. But it's also you know, easy to say that if you are in strife and you have bitterness in your life, you're probably also not in faith because you're consumed with that. And then whatever we get consumed with, that's kind of where we are. And we're really not in a place to exercise faith or authority and that's what happens so 
one of the reasons that Jesus wanted to get this culture established is, first of all, he, Jesus doesn't say in this that the Son, uh, he didn't say, well, okay, I'm going to introduce grace to you. Now, with grace, you have to understand you can just do anything you want to do and don't worry about it. Because I have talked to people like that, and, and they think, well, man, we're, we're under grace, and we can just do anything we want, and we're automatically cleansed. Well, you re- really see, when Jesus told this story, he said the sun went off, he spent all that he had, and he ended up with pigs, and then he came to himself. Okay, so he's not saying that we, that's not what grace is. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that sin will not have dominion over you because you're not under the law, but you're under grace. And it really gives the indication that when you understand grace, that you actually live a victorious lifestyle. And, uh, and then there's another scripture that says the grace of God uh, teaching us to deny ungodliness. That's in Titus. It says the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness. When you're under grace, you are empowered in every kind of a way to walk a different kind of a lifestyle. So, you know, just, but when you're not walking that, you're still God's sons and daughters. He's not, he doesn't cut you off. And that's what we see in this story. And then what we also see, when you come back to the Father, he's saying, okay, here's a robe. I want you to get really aware quickly that you're my son. I don't want you to forget you're my son and daughter. Here's this robe of righteousness. You're in right standing, but then here's also a ring. And I want you to know immediately that I'm giving, you can use your authority around here just like before. That's what he's saying there. Okay, so people that go other ways, as I said, they lose their confidence to exercise authority. Okay, now if you think about it, before Jesus came, there was a time period uh, after Malachi in the Old Testament was written, and then Matthew, there was like 400 years there, and there was really nothing that came from heaven. There was kind of like silence on the earth, and really during that time period, um, man was so, mankind was so helpless. They didn't know who they are. They were just kind of wondering in, in a stupor kind of, you know, I know before I got saved, uh, and I, I don't know if anybody can agree, you know, like say, yeah, I can relate to that. But it's almost like before I was saved, those, those 23 years of my life, I feel like I was in a fog. It's almost like, and then it's amazing. I, I accepted Jesus as Lord. And from that time on, it's like clarity came. And it's like I can remember things. But it's almost, I forgot a lot of things. It was like being in a fog before then. And the the whole, you know, the world was in darkness and it was like in a fog and then Jesus shows up. But here, this, this came into my heart that mankind is helpless and victim to anything that comes its way without authority. And, and what happens is like, you know, there was all of those years and, you know, we're, we're creatures of habit, you know, and, and what we want to do is we want to form godly habits because that's, we, we just kind of be, are like creatures of habits. So people will get in the habit of believing the wrong thing, thinking the wrong thing, and saying the wrong thing. And so that's why, you know, you have insurance policies. And if there, there is a cyclone or, uh, you know, tornadoes or anything, they say it's an act of God. And God gets blamed for everything. You know, and, and so there's a lot. Of, and then so people also think, well, like, I don't know why God did that to me. And it might not work here in Australia, but you guys know enough from, you look at enough television to know that I've always said this living, coming from the States, but if you go out to a pub 
past midnight, and they always say, you know, nothing good happens after midnight. You know, there's probably good, but it's better to be at home. But you go out, I'm sure, you know, there's all-night prayer meetings, you know, hey, an all-night prayer meeting, okay. But, you know, it's better, but like you go out past midnight and go to a pub, and, and people are drunk there, and, and in, in the states they have guns, they pull, somebody pulls a gun out and starts shooting, and you, you get killed uh, with a gun, God didn't do that to you. You were in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing the wrong thing, and don't blame God. You know, and so that works. You know, so a lot of times society blames God for everything. Um, so, so let's just talk about this because without authority, we are helpless. So let's talk about the ring. The ring symbolizes authority. All right. So in the Old Testament. There were two places where a ring was given. There was a ring given to Joseph, and there was a ring given to Mordecai. And when Joseph got that ring from Pharaoh, it gave him permission. And really, what is authority? It's permission to use power. That's really what authority is, permission to use power. And so you could say it like this. In the, in the Australian military, there's a tank. The tank's really powerful. So you can get trained and, and get ready to operate the tank, but the order has to come from above. And when the order comes from above, from somebody up high, they say, I want you to use the tank. That's authority, and authority is saying, I'm giving you permission to use power. And so when God gives us authority, it's like permission to use power. So when Pharaoh gave Joseph the ring, it was permission to use power. When Mordecai got the ring, it was permission to use power. That's what authority is. It's permission to use power. Okay, so, so this ring is a symbol of power and authority. So we could say that when, uh, when the son came back and got the ring, the father was basically saying, uh, you came back to me and I want to put this ring on your finger. And he's basically saying, I want you to walk around here and use your authority. This ring means that you're my son and I want you to have this ring and you are free. You have permission to use power in my realm, okay? So here's the definition of authority. Authority is the power to give orders or make decisions, okay? It's the power to give orders or make decisions. It's the power or right to direct or control someone. And so really you could even say it's the permission to give orders. Like that's, that's another way to say it. So the son was given this authority, and here's a thought. His master's authority, that's his father, to make decisions and help the master govern his realm, his father's realm. Now, like if you think about it, the church is here on the earth, and he's given us authority, and we're here for the master, and he gave us authority, and we're here to help govern this realm. We have authority to do it. He gave us authority. Okay, so with all that in mind, let's just look at Jesus now, and let's look at a few scriptures, and let's look at, at, you know, Jesus is the second Adam. Okay, and so the first Adam messed up, and he fell out of favor, and he was no longer in right standing. So he, he falls out of right standing, and we never had an opportunity to see what a, a man or woman in right standing with God could do when they walked on the earth. We, could, we didn't have that opportunity till Jesus came. And it's not till Jesus came that we saw there is a man, and, and he's in right standing, and this is how he walks on the earth, 
And this is what he does with authority because he's in right standing with God. So think about this. As Christians, we're that. We're that. We are in right standing with God, and we can walk on the earth, and we can exercise authority like Jesus did. Okay? So look at Matthew chapter 17 and verse 18. It says, And Jesus gave orders to the unclean spirit, and it went out of him, and the boy was made well from that hour. So notice there that the definition, remember, of authority, it's power to give orders. So look at Jesus had authority, and Jesus gave orders to the unclean spirit, and it went out of him, and the boy was made whole from that hour. So it's just real simple that you have permission to use power, you have authority, and he just gave orders, and the demon, the devil, was subject to him. Here's another scripture, Mark 1 and verse 27. It says, Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. So notice how that is with authority, with permission to use power, he commands even unclean spirits. The church has permission to use power, and we can do everything. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. Okay, and then look at Mark chapter 4 and verse 39. Here's another one. And he came out of his sleep and gave strong orders to the wind and said to the sea, peace be at rest. I like that. It's like he gave strong orders. You know, we, we are given permission, we give an authority to give strong orders out, okay? And it's not to one another, okay? And it's not, it's not to somebody else's wife either. You know, it's, it's like, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's like to the devil, to sickness and disease, and to those kind of things, okay? And then Luke chapter 4 and verse 39, it says, So Jesus went over her and ordered the fever to go away. I like that. Uh, he stood over. It, it almost like standing over is almost like, you know, like when you stand, you know, like in football, I don't, you know, uh, if you tackle somebody and you stand over them, it's like kind of dominion, like, like I just tackled you. It's like, you know, it's like Jesus standing over her and he, he ordered the fever to go away. It's almost like a picture of dominion like the fevers under us and we're over it okay so this this happened in when we were living in sicily back in 1993 it's happened since then but this this was the time that made the most difference in my life because i don't know it just left an impression and i and it, it's something that i was able to refer back to ever since then uh, liliana uh, our daughter the oldest daughter she had a fever and we thought it was like her teeth coming out. We were like rookie parents, and it wasn't that. So like on the third day, uh, Patsy had some medical training, and uh, so Lily's head was like bobbling, and, and, and the fever was high, and we were like, we, didn't, uh, we couldn't speak Italian, and we were like in another country. We didn't know how to get help or anything, so it just really made it so it's like we better get help from God, and that we had no other options. And... So something, first of all, happened with me. Like, Patsy knew from her medical training that if we didn't get it, like the high fever could mess with her ears and she could have problems uh, with her ears and all that. So we knew, like Patsy said, we really need to get that taken care of. So something happened with me, like a tenacity came over me, and I told Patsy, you go to sleep, and I don't care if I have to stay up all night, I won't come back to bed until she's healed. 
So the first thing, if you get it there, sometimes it's our commitment where we actually commit that we're going to, I committed, I don't care if I have to stay up all night, I'm not coming back to bed until she's healed. So I was thinking, I don't care how long I have to pray, I don't care, I, I don't care, commitment. Then the next thing that I did is I have two scriptures that I can quote from my heart, like Mark eleven twenty three, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe what he says will come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. So I took those scriptures, and I began feeding on that scripture, and I started to milk it, you know, like you milk a cow, and you want to get everything out of the cow. Well, you can milk scriptures. So how do, how do you milk a scripture? You know, well, I just milked the scripture, and I went, Whosoever shall say, whosoever shall say, whosoever shall say, and I just went through there. And every, every word I went and I, and I uh, what's the word I went? Exaggerated it, or is there a better word? Enunciated, Enunciated it. Thank you. I, I did that with every, every word. And what it was doing, it was feeding me. Then I went to 1 Peter 2.24, the part that it says, by his stripes you're healed. So I went, by his stripes you are here by his stripes and I just milked that scripture and fed on it and I went back and forth for 10 or 15 minutes on those scriptures it changed me the first thing that it did it changed me so I made a commitment then I fed on the word and it changed me and see from that place because we were making positive confessions for two and a half days we were saying like she's our healed child of the Lord you know and and Patsy you know she's real bubbly and so she was actually doing this. She's all, our healed child of the Lord with her bubble. And I was going, she's our healed child of the Lord, you know, and whatever. But nothing, nothing changed. And it, it wasn't until I committed, just not like words out of your mouth, but words that connect with your heart. Because faith is of the heart. And exercising authority comes from the heart, you know. And so I fed, and it, it changed me. And then from that changed place, I then spoke, and I commanded the fever to get off Lily, according to Mark eleven twenty three, I commanded the fever off her, and it says, and here's the key, it says, when you do that, believe what you say will come to pass. You believe what you say will come to pass. So that's a way that I know when I'm ready to pray or not pray based on that. If you're going to pray about something, and, you, and there's Mark eleven twenty three and Mark eleven twenty four. Mark eleven twenty four says, when you pray, believe you receive, and then you'll have. So that's when you receive like that. You believe you receive first. Mark eleven twenty three is when you speak to the mountain, believe what you say will come to pass, and you'll have it. So you can actually know if you're ready to pray based upon can you believe you receive or can you believe what you say will come to pass. If you can't, then you know what to do. You go to the Word of God, the Bible, and you decide to feed on the Word. And you, it changes you first, and then it makes a difference. So sometimes people pray too quickly, and, they, and they're not really ready to pray, and then they don't have results, and then they go, well, why didn't God hear me? Why didn't he answer my prayer? Do I not have faith? And, you know, you can beat yourself up, and sometimes maybe the, the thing is you just didn't prepare yourself. You didn't really feed and get ready to do that. And how do you know you're ready? Well, it's when you know you can believe you receive when you pray or believe what you say will come to pass. So I did, I, I commanded the fever off of her and because I was changed and I was in a different place, I believed what I said was going to come to pass. So once I prayed that, I just started to worship and thank God that it was done. It was done. I didn't pray it again. See, that's, there's different kinds of prayer. 
There's the prayer like of consecration and dedication. You can pray that over and over again. Jesus prayed three times, if it be thy will, but if, you know, whatever your will is, I don't really want to die, but whatever your, that's like the prayer of consecration where he prayed it more than once. But when you pray that like the prayer of faith, you only have to pray it. If you really believe you receive, you pray that once and then you go into thanking God, like thanking God. So I just started to thank God that it was mine. So to make a long story short, you know, the fever left her and she slept all night, praise the Lord. And we, we were both glad because we were, uh, especially Passy didn't sleep very good the, the two previous nights. But you, you could see, like most fevers will pass, you know, and some of them can be taken care of. We didn't even know how to get to a doctor to get medication. Uh, but, but you can see where with praying and those kind of things, where you just think, well, it didn't work, so I won't try it again. And we could have done the same thing because we, we were saying positive things like she's our healed child of the Lord and all that, but it wasn't until there was like a, a tenacity and a commitment and then feeding on the word and preparation and then speaking to it, that made the difference. So, so you can understand in your prayer life, if you've ever had disappointments, I, I just trust if that was anything that could help you where you know what to do the next time before you pray. So here's like with Jesus then, getting back to this, that was like a side journey, but uh, nonetheless, there's no extra charge for that side journey. Okay, so then, here's, here's things that Jesus did. Uh, Jesus, um, this, this is what obeyed Jesus, the weather, devil and demons, sickness and disease, fevers, provision, like he multiplied loaves and fishes. Nature, like when, when Jesus, like with that net, he said, take that net and cast it on the other side of the boat. Jesus walked in such a dominion and an authority that he, it's actually the animals. He used his authority and, and his dominion and it caused the fishes to go into that net and fill up the net. That's the kind of dominion that he walked in. So if like we, you know, you don't have to, don't, don't start off there when you go fishing. If, 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 you're not, if you're not speaking to a headache, you know, start somewhere. If you're not using any of, if you're not praying or doing anything, start with things that aren't so big and, and develop your faith. So don't like go fishing and then, and then throw a net out and expect it to get full, you know. But hey, you know, I, I, heard, a minister, I heard a minister say this, and he was out, they were out fishing, and he actually commanded a fish to jump into their boat. And you could say it was a coincidence, but really, you know, like the odds of that going to happen, where he just said, I command a fish to jump, and a fish came out of the water and into the boat. So I, I, I actually heard a testimony, and I don't believe the guy was lying, but you know, there, there's a lot of other things for me, that's a great thing, but I, I'd rather just be speaking to my body for health. <laughs> And stuff like that I don't think I'm gonna use time on that but if you want to do that that's fine <laughs> you know <laughs> okay let's look at this then let's look at this like what the like the, what the the centurion saw look in, in Luke chapter 7 the centurion saw something that nobody else saw and it's pretty awesome what he saw so look at Luke 7 and verse 8 it says I also am a man placed under authority having soldiers under me and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. 
So this is like amazing because this centurion saw Jesus like nobody else saw Jesus. He saw something about Jesus that nobody else saw. As a result, Jesus told the centurion, I haven't found this great of faith in all of Israel. So I like to make a joke about it, that it was an Italian that had the greatest faith back when Jesus walked on the earth. Okay, but let's look at, and let's break this down now. Uh, so here's the first thing. He said, I also am a man. So that's like, you might think, well, is that important? Well, it kind of is because in the, in the covenant that we're in the age of grace right now, and it's the church age, and during this whole time before Jesus comes back, you have to be a man or a woman to actually be able to exercise authority on the earth. You, so that's one of the things. So he said, I'm a man also. So it's, there, it's like Jesus came and identified with us and he became a man. And then the second thing, he said, I am under authority like you are. So the Roman centurion, he understood this, that he understood as a Roman soldier, he was under authority. Rome was above him and he was under the Roman uh, leadership there. And then he, then he went, he said this, he said, now, Jesus, I'm a man like you and I'm under authority. What he's basically saying to Jesus is I see something. I see that you're under authority too. You have something bigger behind you. You have something backing you up. You, I have the Roman government backing me up, but you have all of heaven backing you up. And the centurion saw that. Okay, no one else really saw that. Now, Jesus always walked around and said, my father and my father, but most people thought, how insulting to say God is your father. But the Roman centurion on the other side of that coin, he said, you, you are under authority. You have all of heaven backing you up. And then he said, the Roman centurion said this, he said, I have soldiers under me. And then the thought there is like you have sickness under you. Because he said, all you have to do is speak the word. And if you speak the word, my servant will be healed. The Roman centurion saw something nobody else saw. He saw that Jesus had sickness under him. And so then this, the centurion said, I tell my soldiers what to do, and they do it. And he's implying, you tell sickness, disease what to do, and it must obey you. So when we talk about authority and the fact that we have authority to operate in this realm, what we see about authority is this, that we, every Christian, we all have all of heaven backing us up. And then every Christian, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ, and every Christian, sickness and disease and pain, it's all under our feet. And so just the same way that Jesus was able to speak and say you know, to whatever, the devil, sickness, disease, whatever, the same way that Jesus was able to do it, we're able to do it, okay? And, and so what you see here uh, with the Roman centurion is Jesus then, Jesus then, wow, I haven't found this kind of faith in all of Israel because uh, there's other people that came to me like the nobleman and the nobleman said, listen, if you come down to my house, 
And Jesus like didn't like that because the centurion said, you don't have to come to my house. And Jesus didn't want to go. And he said, unless you see a sign, you won't believe. And he wouldn't go to the nobleman's house. He made the nobleman believe. But with the Roman centurion, Jesus said, wow, you see something no one else sees. You know that there's no, realm, there's no distance in the realm of the spirit. And you know that my word is powerful enough to remove sickness and disease. So let's pray. Let's 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 um, let's pray today, and we're, we'll finish up here. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word today, and Father, we thank you that you've taken care of everything for us. You've given us a ring of authority, and Father, thank you so much that for anybody in this room right now, we as Christians have authority over sickness and disease and pain. So, Father, we thank you now that we're going to exercise our authority together as a church family. So, Father, we thank you for your power. Let's do this together right now. If there's any pain in your body, if there's any sickness in your body, if there's any disease in your body, we're going to speak to it right now. You know, the Bible talks, it says that he confirms his word with signs following. And so we just preach this and God is so happy to confirm it right now with signs so whatever pain you have in your body whatever sickness we're going to speak to that right now any disease we're going to speak to it okay so i you know think about what you are wanting to speak to and we're going to do this together as a church family okay are you are you ready let's say this together thank you father i'm we're seated in heavenly places in christ Sickness is under my feet. Disease is under my feet. The devil's under my feet. Pain is under my feet. Oppression is under my feet. Depression is under my feet. Every work of the devil's under my feet. Right now, sickness, disease, devil, oppression, depression, every work, I command you in Jesus' name to leave me now and never come back. I declare by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Now, I just wanted to especially do that. So if you've never done that, you know how to do that. But there's something about God also confirming his word with signs following. And this is a good time to do that. So let's just thank God right now. Father, thank you right now that you watch over your word to perform it, Lord. I thank you, Father God, for all sickness and disease and pain leaving. Thank you, Father. People, uh, Rhema Family Church, pain-free, sickness-free, oppression-free, depression-free, cancer-free, all sickness-free, Father. Thank you for that in Jesus' name, Lord. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thanks for listening. 
We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.